Well, hopefully that felt like a little taste of heaven this morning, that we will one day be around the throne of God, cast our crowns before Him, bow before Him, worship Him, give Him the praise and honor uh, that is due His name. It was just wonderful. Uh, one of the blessings of sitting up front is you can hear all the voices behind you, and uh, just hearing the, the praise uh, is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Today we are continuing our series in 1 Timothy, Training Myself for Godliness. Uh, if you open your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 5, you'll notice the sermon title today is Caring for Widows. Uh, this is probably one of the least um, focused groups in the church. Uh, I was trying to think how many years I've been in church and how many sermons I've probably heard in my lifetime on widows, and I'm, I'm not sure I've heard many at all. And so, but it's interesting because 1 Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy for the church in Ephesus to make sure they are taking care of the widows in their church. And he spends a great deal of time in this chapter devoting himself to making sure widows are taken care of. And even earlier when we started this series, we went back into the book of Acts in chapter 6 and we saw that in the early church, one of the first problems that came up was the lack of care for widows. And they addressed it and they brought on seven men who were godly, who would minister to the needs of these uh, widows. So it is great amount of tension giving in this book. Actually, there's more verses probably given to widows in chapter 5 than there are to church leadership in 1 Timothy chapter 3. I find that significant. And so as we look at this, we see this is a very, very serious area of ministry uh, that is not only on Paul's heart, but is also on the heart of God. And so the first thing I want to look at here is actually God's attitude toward widows. And to do that, I'm going to go back into the book of Exodus because it starts even way back there. And let's just look at this together. It says, you shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will burn and I will kill you with the sword and your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. So here we can see God is a defender of widows. He's very concerned about them as well as the fatherless and we as the church should be as well. A couple other verses, Deuteronomy 27, 19. Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner the fatherless and the widow. And all the people said, Amen. Here's another one, Psalm 146, 9. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. Another one here in Psalm 68, 5. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. And then there's a story in the New Testament uh, that focuses on a widow, and it tells us, gives us a little more background on widows and their economic condition in Bible times. In Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 41, talk about Jesus here. He sat down opposite the treasury, and he watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow 
has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put everything she had, all she had to live on. So this really gives us a little more insight into first century Jewish culture that widows were generally poor. They did not have a lot. They did not have jobs outside the home to make an income. So therefore, they relied heavily on their family or their church to help support and meet their physical and even financial needs. And so it's important. Actually, even uh, historically, if we were to look at the practice of the synagogue, the synagogue, every Friday, people would go around and they would gather up goods and money to be distributed to the needy widows later in the afternoon. And even in spite of all those efforts, there were still many widows who were impoverished. So what is the responsibility, then, of the church in our day to care for widows? Well, let's look at it. He begins in verse 3 of 1 Timothy chapter 5. He says, Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow, who is really in need and left all alone, puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions too, so that no one may be open to blame. If anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she is over 60 has been faithful to her husband, and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the saints, helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. As for younger widows, do not put them on such a list, for when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. Thus they bring judgment on themselves because they have broken their first pledge. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things they ought not to. So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some have, in fact, already turned away to follow Satan. If any woman who is a believer has widows in her family, she should help them and not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. So there's a lot of instruction here, and we want to kind of unpack this passage a little bit to see the responsibility of the church to care for widows. The first thing we see here is that we are to care for widows who are destitute. Notice he says in verse 3, give proper recognition. Some passages will say give honor to those widows who are really in need. What he's saying is this is a widow who is all alone. She doesn't have family. She doesn't have relatives around her to help provide those needs. And so the church then is responsible if she is a widow in the church to care for her. 
it was interesting, I kind of went through uh, the directory of our church to try to count up the number of widows we have. And I probably didn't count them all, but I think I counted 16 widows in our church. And there could be others that I, I don't even, I could have missed. And so we have a great number of widows that here at Bethesda Church that God has called us to make sure that we are responsible in doing our part. Uh, so this widow could be left alone actually through death or even divorce. It even includes the idea of divorce or even a spouse who has been left and deserted. It is that broad range of uh, a definition here. And so here's what I would say. How a church treats its widows shows the spiritual maturity of that Christian community. Our commitment to Christ will be seen in how we treat those who do not have the means to care for themselves. Our care for widows provides a strong testimony to a watching world and really is a demonstration of our love for God. So we have that responsibility. But notice here also, he goes on to say that we are to give honor to those who are really in need. But then he says in verse 4, if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. So here's another principle. Relatives are to care for their parents and grandparents. God has given that responsibility to relatives to do that. Widows can have physical needs that they depend on outside support to help meet those needs. This actually goes back to one of the Ten Commandments even in showing honor to our parents. In Exodus chapter 20, he says, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And one great way to honor them is when one of those spouses has passed away and the other one is left, that you help pick up that slack and care and show concern and help meet those needs. And I know some of you are doing that, even now. And uh, thank the Lord uh, for that. But this is an opportunity for children and grandchildren to show their incredible gratitude to their parents and grandparents for caring for them when they were young and couldn't care for themselves. Now they're grown and they can turn around and show nurture and care of their parents and grandparents. There's a Hellenistic Jewish philosopher who was born in 25 BC named Philo. Here's what he said in regard to honoring parents. When old storks become unable to fly, they remain in their nests and are fed by their children who go to endless exertions to provide their food because of their piety. Philo is saying that even in the animal world, that the offspring are to take care of their parents. How much more should that be true of believers who care for their parents in old age? And here is another verse in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. What does this do when we show this care as for relatives, um, for our parents and grandparents? This caring demonstrates actually your faith not coming to church and hearing sermons, not putting money in the offering plate even, but it's really your caring of, your, of the elderly, really is a demonstration of your faith. Look what it says here in verse 4. 
First of all, put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and repaying their parents and grandparents. For this is pleasing to the Lord. It's a demonstration of your faith. Why? You're putting your religion into practice. And so therefore, it shows the genuineness of your faith in your daily activities. Here's what James says. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So the reality of our faith is shown in demonstrating love and care for these widows. He goes on to say in 1 Timothy 5.8, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So it shows the reality of your faith. Secondly, this caring demonstrates that you are pleasing God. This care is pleasing to God. In Psalm 68.5 that we read a moment ago, that God is the father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. It is an aspect of godliness when you demonstrate your faith and you care for widows who cannot return what you give to them. It shows your true spirituality. How we treat one another in the family says a lot about our spirituality. And the second aspect of the demonstration of that faith, it's also a demonstration of obedience. Because God has told us to do that. And when we obey God, remember when Jesus was baptized, what was the voice out of heaven that said, this is my beloved son, and what? Whom I am well pleased. Obeying the Father. Enoch, when he walked with God, it says that God was pleased with him. It is showing a demonstration that we are walking with God by caring for widows. This caring also helps the church. Why? Because if you have relatives who take up that responsibility and do that, it relieves the church of a greater burden because the church has other widows to care for. And so you help with that burden by caring part of that load. And so it helps the church as well. Now let's go on and look at the responsibility of the church to discern what widows need support. Because the Bible tells us what widows need support. Look down in verse 5. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. So here we see that widows who are all alone are to be cared for by the church to make sure their needs are being met. There's no family to support them. They don't have sufficient resources to care for themselves. The church is responsible. Not some government program, uh, but the church. Uh, and, but then it goes on to clarify even further about widows. He says widows who are believers, especially because they are the household of faith. Notice he says these widows have set their hope on God. They're trusting God to meet their needs because they believe the promises of God to care for widows. And so the church becomes the hands and feet of Jesus to the widow. That's what we become. And we are responsible to care for the needs of these believing widows. You remember the story in 1 Kings chapter 17, the widow of Zarephath. God provided for her physical needs by providing food for her and her son. 
And later her son dies and Elijah goes in and raises this dead son for this widowed mother because God cares for widows. But she's faithful in her walk with God. She's a prayer warrior. She's a worshiper of God and praises God for his faithfulness and care of her. This is the kind of widow that should be supported. The church, however, is not responsible to care for the needs of a widow who is living for personal pleasure. How do I say that? Well, look again in our passage. Look in verse 6. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. So why doesn't the church support them? Because they're an unbeliever, they're living in personal pleasure, they're living in sin, and we don't support sin. Hopefully, by them feeling alone, neglected and unsupported will actually be a drive to drive them to the church to be, repent and become the person that God wants them to be. So there's actually a correction there that they would come to the church then and begin to become the person that God wants them to be. So they could be a church attender, but they don't have a testimony of living for God. And by feeling the sting of loneliness and being separated from God, hopefully they will see their need of Christ. If families or the church neglect to care for and support these widows that God has marked out in Scripture, there's two things that God says is true of that church or that individual. Number one, it says we have denied the faith. Look down in verse 8. If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith. You are not practicing godly faith. You are not magnifying Christ by not doing what he said. And so that's a very strong indictment. The second indictment is this. He goes on to say he's denied the faith and is what? Worse than an unbeliever. Worse than a pagan. Why does he say that? Because he's saying even pagans understand they need to help care for their family. And how much more the family of God should be willing to do that. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he showed his love for his mother, who was a widow, by telling John to care for his mother. In John 19, 26 and 27, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own. Jesus only spoke to two people when he hung on the cross. He spoke to the thief. Today you will be with me in paradise. And he spoke to John to care for his mother. That's significant. All right, what about instructions regarding the elderly widows serving in the church. Elderly widows serving in the church. Let's look in verse 9 and 10. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she is over 60, has been faithful to her husband, and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the saints, helping those in trouble, and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. So, here's the instructions. Widows should be at least 60 years old to be put on the list. What list is this? This is a list of people who have dedicated themselves to say, I'm a follower of Jesus, 
I've raised my children, my husband is gone, and I am devoting myself and pledging myself to serve God and, and give all my attention to the Lord and serving in the church. And that's, that's the person who should be put on that list. The reason he says a younger widow is not to be put on that list is because they're going to want to get married again in most cases. And they should not make that pledge to be put on the list because they'll break that pledge when they desire to be married. So he's saying make this pledge when you're old enough to do that. So widows who are at least 60 years old. In Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 3, he says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God would not be reviled. You see, these older widows could disciple younger ladies. They've raised children. They were involved in marriage. They have a lot of life experience, and we should learn from them. The older women are to teach the younger women, and this older widow has the opportunity to get, make an incredible impact on their lives. So there should be at least 60. Secondly, they have exhibited a godly marriage. When their husband was alive, they were committed to their husband. They sought to build their husbands up. They were not flirtatious or demeaning of their husband. And the other one is they demonstrated faithful service. They had a track record that spoke well of their life. Their outward activity was a visible testimony of their love for Christ. They invested in their children spiritually to teach them to trust, love, and serve God. They prayed for their children. They instructed their children. They opened their home to family and friends and strangers. In the ancient world, they did not have hotels and motels, and the inns were often dirty and dangerous. And so believers often relied on other believers to open their home. And these older widows were these ladies who would open their home to strangers and show hospitality and minister to them, showing their faithful service. They served people who entered their home. They washed the saints' feet because they would get dusty from wearing sandals in the dusty roads. But really what it was demonstrating was their humble spirit in serving the body of Christ. They were not looking for the limelight. They also comforted those who were dealing with personal struggles those feeling stress and pressure, and they sought to bring relief and encouragement to them. And then he gives instructions regarding younger widows in verses 11 through 16. As for younger widows, do not put them on such a list where they make this pledge where they are going to serve God and give their undevoted attention to the Lord. Why? Because these younger widows, well, he says why in a moment. For when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. Thus they bring judgment on themselves, not because they want to get married, but because they have broken their pledge of dedicating themselves to the Lord. That's why he's saying don't make that pledge of dedicating yourself in that way until you are at that age. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house and not only do they become idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying things they ought not to. 
So he says, my counsel for younger widows is to marry. So it's okay for a younger widow to marry, to have children, to manage their homes, and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. So two things, they are to marry. It's a good thing. Marry, have children, raise those children, manage your home, be a faithful mother, invest in those kids so they become godly children and do that. And then secondly, they are to avoid being a busybody. Don't get wrapped up in all the news and be a know-it-all and sticking your nose in other people's business, he's saying. Don't do that. In Proverbs 20:19, he said, He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets, therefore do not associate with a gossip. Because what do we do? We open the door for the enemy to come in. And maybe where at one time you were going to, there to minister to that family, now you're going there just to get the news. Oh, what's going on? What's happening? And you become a busybody. For what reason? He goes on to say, manage your home, in verse 14, give the enemy no opportunity for slander. When we give the enemy no opportunity, one commentator said it's to give no launching point for attack by the enemy. We don't give him a, a foothold. Paul was giving this warning because some had already turned away from the faith. And so he's warning the church to not do that. So these are very important instructions when we think about in terms of widows in our church that God has given to us and how we minister to them. What I would like us to do is bow our heads and close our eyes. And while you do, I want you to think about maybe some of the widows that you have had relationships with in this church. Maybe this afternoon you'll want to go home and see how many widows you can write down before you open the church directory. And then I want to challenge you to think about when is the last time I intentionally made an effort to minister to a widow in the last six months? Have I done more than sit beside them in church or sit behind them or in front of them, around them? Have I made an intentional effort? You see, unfortunately, many people in the church think that's the pastor's job. Well, that's what we hired the pastor to do. He's supposed to go out and visit all these people and do all these things. Actually, the pastor's job is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Because that's a full-time job in itself. And so we all are to be involved in this ministry of ministering to the widows. And so I would challenge you. I would challenge you to pray for them. And actually, what I would like to do, I want you to open your eyes for a moment. And if you're a widow here today, would you just raise your hand and hold it up for a minute? Please. Hold it up. Thank you. Thank you. Others? Okay, we just, we, we want to honor you, and we want to make sure that we minister to you. We'll probably fall short, but we want to do that. Um... And so, uh, if you are sitting around them, maybe just place your hand on them as we pray. Even turn around if you would like to. And just place your hand on them. We want to we pray, especially for our widows today. And we want to pray for ourselves, too, that God will help us be the ministers that we need to be in the body of Christ. To take up this 
instruction that God has given us that is a often neglected segment of our society. So let's bow together for a word of prayer. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Hero. Have a blessed day.